Welcome to the SCF Student Ministry Podcast. In this episode, we're continuing on in our teaching series, Awkward Conversations. This was a fun week to teach, and I also feel like it was a powerful one. At the end of the message time, I gathered the students in, surrounded our small group leaders around, and prayed for them. Through it all, encouraging the students to pray for those that are right beside them day in and day out. And so, without further ado, here is week four of Awkward Conversations. Need a volunteer? One per- Come on up, Jaden. Good job. Appreciate it. So all I need to do is stand here and hold Bibles as I teach. Is that cool? Just for a minute. And if you can hold them straight out, so no elbows bent. And then actually, if you can hold, don't let them drop. This is God's holy word. You can't let them drop and hit the floor. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about prayer. Are you good? Yeah. All right. We've been, ta- we've been talking about prayer the last few weeks. If you haven't remembered, we're on week four now of our series. Um, we've been talking about how prayer can be awkward. Been talking about how it can be awkward because sometimes we just don't, don't bend those elbows. How uh, it can be awkward because we just don't know how what to pray or how to how to pray what to say, and the whole point of the series has been to help you understand uh, that we can talk to God about uh, everything, and it's been help. It's been designed to teach you that prayer can make a difference in our lives. This is so hard not to be distracted because I'm a like squirrel kind of guy. Don't bend the elbows. Yeah, I'm a squirrel kind of guy. That sounds so weird. Uh, in week one, we talked about the importance of praying prayers that go up. Prayers of praise, prayers of thankfulness. Dear Jesus, thank you for, and then fill in the blank. I've been trying to teach Aiden uh, to, te- to pray and not just to say, Dear Jesus, thank you for family, food, and friends, but to, to think about what he's praying for. Jane, you good? Do you need some help? Okay, cool. Um, We've been talking about praying prayers of, that go up and focusing on God. And while we focus on God and while we pray prayers of praise, uh, we should experience a peace that passes all understanding. That's found in the Bible. Don't, let, don't raise them up. Next, we talk about praying prayers that go down or prayers of confession. And, and praying, don't bend those elbows. Praying prayers of confession. And he dropped the Bibles. You know, well, we'll deal with that. Just no, keep them straight up. Praying prayers to confession, admitting our sins to God, turning away from them, hopefully that leads us to forgiveness. We just can't apologize and say, dear God, please help me and forgive me for this, but then we need to turn away from our sin, and that makes a, a change in our life, hopefully. Um, last week, we talked about praying prayers that go forward, not just praying prayers that say, dear God, help me with my test tomorrow, raise those up, raise them. Not just praying prayers that, that talk about, oh, you're, you're going to need forgiveness after tonight. Um, not just praying prayers that talk about, God, I need help with my test tomorrow, or I need help with this tonight, but praying prayers about our future. What has God called you to? And so pray about that. Pray prayers that help lead toward your future and pray forward. Uh, we need to pray prayers that help, help us understand that God wants to transform us to become more like Jesus. That's what our church is all about. Know God, become like Jesus, change the world. We need to pray prayers that help us understand that God wants to tra- transform our lives. And so we talked about praying prayers that go up and down and forward, and so tonight we're talking about prayers that go uh, right. Can anyone guess what next week is going to be about? Oh, wow, good job, left, yes. Tonight we're, we're praying for and about the people that are at our right hand, the people that we share community with, the people that we share life with, the people who are our family, maybe not blood family, but the people that are that are a right-hand man. You know what I mean? We're praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Still good? No. Do you want to sit down for a little bit? Sure. Nope, not happening. But you know what you should do is maybe find someone to come and help you. 
No, don't, no, just, no. You, we, need, we need someone to come help him. Kaden, come on up. Matt McDonald, come on up. Help him with his other arm, please. I know, I'm sorry, I picked on you. Don't let the Bibles drop. Three, three gentlemen should be able to balance Bibles somehow. All right, Jaden, hold the Bibles. And then the two of you help Jaden hold the Bibles. Don't hold the Bibles yourselves, but hold Jaden so he can hold the Bibles. You got it? Don't hold the Bibles. Don't hold the, There you go. <laughs> Exodus 17, Israel had just left from captivity from Egypt. They're on the run. They're, they're running away from Egypt, but and out of nowhere, while they were camping and traveling and everything else, they, were, they became under attack. Exodus 17 says this, While the people of Israel were still uh, at a certain place, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, Choose someone to go out, go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did that. Uh, and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage, but whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired. How you doing, Jane? Good. Good. Now you are because you have help, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up, so Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. There's your stone. There you go. It's a beautiful stone. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. Then they stood on each side. They stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Do we get the picture? Do we understand what's happening here? We've all heard, I'm, maybe we've all heard the story. If not, Moses, Moses' hands go down. No, 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 let them go down. They go down and, and the army loses, Right? Moses' hands go up, and the army wins. Miracle. God intervening. God making things happen. Well, he gets so, because he's so old and clearly uh, old and tired, he needed help, and so he asked Aaron, I don't know why you picked you to be Aaron, Aaron and her to help out. As long as Moses is holding his staff, they win the battle. When he drops his arms, they start to lose, and so let's bring this down to our level. No. Let's not bring the Bibles down. Let's bring the lesson down to our understanding and to our level. Life can be hard. Even when you take... All right, sit down. This is enough. Get down. Thank you for helping. Don't drop the... I'm sorry, Jesus. Hey, Jane, do you have a Bible at home? Caden, do you have a Bible at home? Matt, you know what I'm going to ask you, right? You have a Bible at home? Do you want a Bible at home? Life can be hard. Let's, let's, I mean, we, all, we can all understand this. We can all hopefully, I, I think, agree with this. Life can be stinking hard sometimes. Even if you take anything spiritual out of life. Realistically, if all you had to worry about was making good grades and making the sports team and making your parents happy, making your siblings happy and, getting, and having good friends and getting along with your family uh, and, and just simply surviving life, that makes life pretty hard. Because we get in fights with our family. This past weekend, not to get super personal, but this past weekend in the Disher house was very stressful and very aggravating, and it was a difficult place to live in. We get in fights with our family. Friends betray us and let us down. School stresses us out because life is just hard. It wears us out. Life exhausts us. If we think about everything that Christ has called us to do, read the Bible, spend time in his word, pray, memorize scripture. By the way, how are we doing with memorizing scripture from last week? 
How many of you, raise your hand, how many of you forgot? Be honest, it's okay. God, God still loves you. How many, of you. how many of you would say you're doing 50% okay at memorizing the scripture that you all agreed on last week? Thank you, oh, beautiful. How many of you are at like 75% you're doing okay? 100%, you got it? Oh, okay, cool. Should we do like a riff off for memorizing scripture? No, I, I, okay, no. But that's, t- that's, t- that's hard work. Giving away our money as God calls us to do and sacrificing that which we kind of covet sometimes is hard to do. Serving others and sharing our wealth. If we think about everything that Christ has called us to do on top of living our lives as human beings, life can be hard, yes or no. Not if you're with me. And if you have an easy life, then I would need to talk to you later on and find out your secret. It can get really overwhelming really quickly. John 15, 15 reminds us and reminds me very often that we can't do it alone. Why? Because it says this. John 15, 5 says, Yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. One of the things that took me a long time to learn was just the simple fact that I need Jesus. And that does, it sounds maybe cliche because we're in church and, you know, you hear this growing up. But the, the reality is, is that I need Jesus. Even as a pastor, someone leading other people, I need Jesus more than anybody. Because apart from him, I cannot be a good husband and father and friend and pastor and anything else. It's the same thing with all of us. Without Jesus, we cannot have the ability to be the, the, the child or the student or the sibling or the athlete or the academic person. Clearly, I'm not smart. Or anything that God has called us to be. We can't be that without Jesus. Simple truth. Life is hard. We need Jesus. But Jesus didn't, didn't create us to be alone. We've heard this before, Genesis, the story of Adam and Eve, where God didn't create Adam to be alone. He created us to be in community, and so we need each other. I wrote down in my notes, we don't need friends around us that will continue to tell us that what we're doing, while it's wrong, is right. We need people around us that will help us get closer to Jesus. And so stop for a second and think about who's Number one, in your small group. And number two, who's in your community, whether they're here or not? Who's in your circle of friends? Who, who's in your trusted circle around you? Are they leading you to Jesus or not? I can't answer that. Only you can. But it's a question that we need to think about. I love the picture that we saw through Jaden and uh, Matt and Caden. The picture that Moses didn't have the strength to hold up his hands, and so his brother stepped in to make it happen. I, uh, I've, sh- I've shared a number of times my, the glory days that I ran cross country, uh, doesn't happen anymore. Um, but I, it was, a, it was a fun time for me because my friend and I, we ran together, we practiced together, we did competitions together. And, uh, back in my grade school, high school days, it was a very small school district, but, uh, we were, we always came in first and second and we'd run the whole race side by side. And because we were able to do that, we were able to cheer each other on, and we were able to, able to uh, encourage each other and push and just, I couldn't run alone, but with, his name's JJ, with JJ by my side, we ran the whole thing. And I can remember a number of times it got to the point where, where we would be running side by side, and we'd just kind of look at each other, and, and he'd say, okay, you, you take first, and I'll take second. And the next race, he'd take first, and I'd take second. And it, was just, it became a game. But the point is, is that 
running by myself is, I think, pointless. <laughs> and I thought it was pointless. But with him beside me running the entire race side by side, there, there, wasn't, there wasn't any effort. It was easy. There's not a single person in this room, myself, small group leaders, you as students, there's no one in this room who does not struggle to follow Jesus. Everybody struggles. No matter how long they've known, there's no one in this church that calls Salvo Christian Fellowship their home that doesn't struggle to follow Jesus. No matter how old they are, no matter how many memorizations of scriptures they've done, no matter how many, how many prayers they prayed, no matter how many potlucks they've attended, no matter how many worship nights they've gone to, no matter how many times they've shared their faith with somebody on the street corner, everybody struggles to follow Jesus. They struggle against sin. They struggle against and with fear and uncertainty. Everybody wrestles with doubt of some nature. Everybody is unsure about whether they can take the next step that God is calling them to. Every one of us struggles. And the first lesson that took me way too long to learn is that I need Jesus. I had, uh, on, a, on a personal note, yet again, I had a, a conversation with uh, my boss, who you all know is Dave. Um, and he, he challenged me and said that I need to spend more time in the Bible. People know that I love Jesus. People know that I want other people to love Jesus. But people can't always see it. And so the more that I spend time in the Bible, reading and studying, hopefully the more it will become evident that I love Jesus. I'm sharing this with you because even I struggle with waking up every morning or finding time, whether it be morning, noon, or night, finding time to read the Bible. I struggle with it. But one of the rules that I've lived by and one of the rules that I try and communicate and one of the, not even rules, one of the uh, guidelines, the, uh, what's another word? Hmm? Principle, thank you. One of the principles I try and live by is that if you value something, you'll make time for it. If you value something, you'll find time. There's only 24 hours a day, but somehow you'll squeeze another hour into your day to, to make something happen. We've, what we value, we make time for. And so if you value a relationship with Jesus, and if you value wanting to get to know who he is and what he's all about, and if you value wanting to other people to know that, you're going to make time to get into the Bible. But I don't know what to read. Start with Matthew. Easy enough. Just went off on a tangent there. I'm sorry. First lesson is, uh, is that I need Jesus. Second lesson that I learned and that I'm always learning day after day after day is that I need people. I need community. Because we can't do life on our own. We need other people to hold our arms up. That's one of the reasons why we break into small groups. That's one of the reasons why we, we have churches all over have Sunday school. It's so that you will meet people, you will talk, you will learn, you hopefully draw each other to follow Jesus. We need each other to hold us up. And one of the main ways that we do that is through prayer. We're talking about praying in the right R-I-G-H-T direction. Not like the right versus wrong, but the right versus left. We're talking about praying in the right direction. Even the guys who physically walked with Jesus day by day needed prayer. Luke chapter 22 says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. 
In this passage, Jesus is telling Peter some really crazy things. He's telling Peter that, he's saying, Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to let me down. You're going to betray me. He tells him that Satan is trying to destroy his faith and tear him down and wreck him. But then he also tells Peter that he's praying for him. Jesus has a huge advantage because obviously he knows what's going to happen and he can see what's, what's, what Peter's going to do. But despite the fact that he can see down the road and he knows that Peter's going to betray him and, and hurt him and everything else, he still looks at Peter and says, I'm, going to, I'm praying for you. The issue that Jesus knows Peter is going to lose faith for a time, and yet he still prays for him to stay strong. Many of us have most likely struggled with our faith in some way or another. Maybe you've had times of doubt and maybe even rebellion. My guess is that it doesn't take too long for you to think of people who used to be close to God and who aren't living that way now. There is a picture that, that goes around. It says something like this. We are best friends. Always remember that when I fall, when you fall, I'll pick you up after I finish laughing. That's how it works. When someone falls or hurts themselves physically, we, we laugh. I, I found a video online uh, to kind of illustrate this point. Harmless, maybe for us. But how many times do we do that? Do we, do we see someone fail and we kind of giggle and we laugh and everything else? But what do we do when someone that we know and someone that we care about, or maybe someone that we don't even know, we laugh to people that we, don't, we have no clue who they are. But what do we do when someone falls spiritually? When someone slips and, and falls away or walks away or ignores the teaching that they, they've learned? What do we do when people who love Jesus start walking away from him? What do we do when they start making bad decisions and we know it's going to bring them hurt and bring those around them hurt? Maybe our first reaction isn't to necessarily laugh at them like the Pogo people, but maybe our first reaction is to talk about it with others or maybe gossip. Have you guys heard about Matt Boyd? Oh my gosh. The habits that he's started and the people he's hanging out with. Can you, can you guys just pray for him right now because he's really struggling with his life and he really needs to break the habit that he has. How many times do we do that? For the record and for the recording, Matt Boyd has no habits that I know of or lifestyles that he's been involved in. But how many times do we do that? How many times do we, do we want to show concern and care, but really, at the end of the day, it's just gossip? The question is, are we there for them if they need help? Did I ever share the story with you guys about my first youth group experience as a youth pastor, and I had a teenage girl that got pregnant? I did, so you remember that story? Do you remember my response about what I did and what I wish I would have done different? In a nutshell, I should have asked, how can we help her? instead of pushing her away. Now that I think about it, I should have even included the father of the child in that conversation as well. How can we help them who are already feeling judged and ridiculed and whatever else emotions they feel? I should have been asking, how can I help them rather than, sorry, you sinned, you belong over there. Jesus knows that Peter is going to hurt spiritually and yet he prays for him anyways. We have to be faithful in praying for our friends who are walking away from Jesus. Stop for a second. Close your eyes. I don't want any, any distraction from anything on tables or anything else. Raise your hand, just one, if you can think right now of a friend who is either walking away from Jesus or just doesn't know Jesus like you do. 
Raise your other hand if you can think of two. Keep, your, keep the hand up. Raise your other hand if you can think of two. Now, keep your eyes closed. No distractions. Focus on, on what's going on. The people that God has put in your head right now, the people that God has put in your heart, I'll step out in faith and say that those are the people that he's, he's calling you to reach out to. I'm not suggesting you stand on a soapbox and wave your Bible around and, and bang them on the head with your Bible. But I am suggesting that they need to know that you love Jesus, that Jesus loves them. They need to, as Pastor Dave told me, they need to know and they need to feel and see the love of Jesus ooze out of you. We have to be faithful in praying for our friends, those that are close to us. All right, here's the thing. You can look up if you want. I think we get it. I think we know in our heads that we need prayer. Up and down and forward. And I think we know that other people need our prayer. That we need to pray for our friends. And really, it's not too hard to know what to pray for when we talk about other people. We talked about what to pray for ourselves last week. We pray for our future. We pray for everything else. But the reality is, is that other believers, those around your table, those that you share life with, those that you do community with, any other tagline you can put with that, other Christians need prayer as well. And they need our prayer. In the same way that we pray for ourselves, we should also, we can and should also pray for each other. We should pray for the folks in our small groups at our tables. We should pray for our Sunday school classes. We should pray for our church. We should pray for our community. We should pray for our leaders. That's a really selfish plug there, but I'll say that anyways. We need to pray for our leaders. You need to pray for your leaders. Every week, okay, here we go. Every week, I look at the leaders and say, pour into your small groups, talk to your small groups, pray for your small groups, share with your small groups, yada, yada, yada. I drill it into you. When was the last time the small groups turned around and prayed for your leaders? And I'm not saying, uh, the expectation isn't that you, 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 should, you should have known that. That's not the expectation. But the question is, maybe we should, students, turn around and pray for your leaders because do you know what they're going through? Maybe you do, and that's great. That means that you guys are sharing life together. Or maybe you don't. When was the last time you listened to a leader share about their life and what they're going through? I want to encourage you guys, I want to challenge you guys tonight in small groups to consider doing that. I'm not saying you have to, but consider doing that. Listen to your leaders if they're willing to share and pray for them. I think we should pray for each other, 100%. I think we should also pray with each other, face-to-face, hands on shoulders, praying together. We need it. Why? We need to hear other people talking to God about us, not so it builds our egos and makes us feel all warm and fuzzy, but to know that people actually care. It's one thing for me to look at Ty, if I can pick on you for a second, and look at him and say, Ty, I'm going to pray for you. And then I don't see you for another week. It's a completely different thing, and not just in action, but in in spiritual backing, in emotion, in meaning. It's another thing for me to literally go to Ty, put my hand on his shoulder and say, brother, I'm going to pray for you right now. Pray for each other. Go home. Tonight, we're, we're going to do an exercise, a sort of response thing, and hopefully help you 
understand what's going on. But yes, pray for each other, but pray with each other. If you don't have contact information, get it tonight and t- message or text message or Facebook or whatever, however you communicate online, if you can. I can't tell you how many times I've received messages of prayer through text message and the meaning behind it. Someone has taken the time to type out with their thumbs a prayer to me. Consider doing that to your community. Sometimes in life you have to do things that make you uncomfortable and it's better to just dive in head first. I don't know what to pray when I pray for Ty because I don't really know Ty and it's awkward and he's going to hear me and I don't want to say something wrong. Who cares? What's on your heart? Just pray. Talk to God. Let Ty know. I mean, I'll keep using this example. Let Ty know that you care. Let him hear what God is placing on your heart to pray. When it comes to praying, especially praying out loud with someone or in a group, it's going to feel awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm just giving giving you a very clear heads up. It's going to be weird. But the quicker you jump in, the quicker you get to experience the joy and the privilege that it is to pray for other people and have other people pray for you, the better it is. I have two questions for you tonight as as we wrap this up, and I want you guys to go off to small groups. Number one, who is praying for you? Who is, as we saw earlier on, who is holding your arms up so that you can still do life? Who's in your community? Who's beside you? Who's holding you up? Question number two, who are you praying for? Who's on your list other than yourself? Who in your community are you praying for? Who is at your right-hand side? Who is helping you? Who is praying for you? Who is being there for you? And we really hope that you have someone. If not, we would love to welcome you into our community. Know that we, myself, the leaders, and the team are here ready to pray with you and pray for you as you go through whatever you are going through. Know that you can reach out to us anytime on our many social media platforms. And you can even email us, if you like, at students at sobblechurch.ca. Stay tuned for more messages and podcasts coming from SCF students here in Sobble Beach, Ontario. Until next time.